What's up, y'all? Sean here once again. Today, I'm so excited to bring you my interview with Ben the Glorious Bastard. He is a beat maker, audio engineer, and music producer out of New York. He is absolutely killing it right now with um, his YouTube channel. What he's doing with ballroom breakbeats is art. I mean, that's what it is. He is a genius with beats. So... I am so excited for you to listen to this. Here it is, my interview with Ben, the glorious bastard. Joining me now, he is a beat maker, audio engineer, and music producer based out of Brooklyn, New York. Ben, the glorious bastard. What's going on, man? Thank you for having me. Happy to be live on the podcast. Uh, Let's get it cracking. Yeah, let's go, bro. Let's go. Uh, so first off, tell me about your journey. I know, I think it says here that you're from France. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm originally from Paris, France, from the suburbs over there. Uh, I'm, I'm from like a ghost town, you know, where, where nothing would happen. I think that's how I got into music, right? There, there was nothing else to do. To, to make a long, a very long story short, uh, I was a heavy metal dude when I was a teenager, you know, playing in bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, mayhem and havoc type of situation and then you know as i became a teenager i got interested in hip-hop beats i thought that was a little you know more like my path in life right became a music producer you know doing lots of stuff you know really random you know work on lots of projects electronic music all types of music uh and you know at the same time i was doing gear reviews which got me a certain you know insight on, on you know all the equipment in general right and then, you know, I became an audio engineer kind of at the same time. And, you know, at some point, uh, I ended up in America. That, that was a great opportunity. Brooklyn, New York, like, like maybe like eight, nine years ago, something like that. You know, think, things kind of evolved from there for engineering as well as for music production. So I was doing audio engineering for people like Kanye West, Wiz Khalifa, uh, you know, ASAP Rocky. Lots of interesting people, right? Uh, right. And same for music production, I, I was uh, started working with uh, Deep Set, A Track, a lot of cool people, met lots of interesting people. You know that that was kind of a new turn. Did you have this plan before you came over, or was this something where you came, you you decided, hey, I'm into this, I'm gonna come over to the states and then explore it, or did you have, where was it like uh, just on the whim, or was this like a huge plan? 50-50, I would say. You know, I, I, I don't think you can really have a plan when it comes to things like that. Like, like the plan was not exactly how I'm going to do it. The plan was the goal, right? Mm. It was like, everybody starts with the same idea that, you know, they look at something and they're like, you know, ah, I think I can do that, you know? Yeah. And, you know, first off, you, you think I want to do that. And then, you know, you think about it more. You're like, I, I think I can do it. Mm. So that, that was more, you know, an evolution of that idea, you know, and like knocking at every single door that exists on Earth, you know. Right. Like, you would have told me you have to go to North Pole and swim there to make it out. <laughs> there was no real plan regarding how. Yeah. There. So how did you get in contact with these like big names? Did you you had to start small, or did you just get a you got kind of your foot in the door early? My take on all that was, you know, everybody told me you should start small. 
get in there, right? I never really born into that idea. I stay home, I figure out, you know, a way to spend as much time possible on it mm. and be as good as I can. And yeah. then you might as well go talk to the big guy straight up, right? That's why I did. I spent years, like literal years, not going outside, you know, just, just doing engineering for people and doing beats just for myself. Until one day I was like, you know what, I think I spent enough time on it. I think it sounds good enough. Let, let me speak to the big guys and, you know, thank God it worked out. Mm-hmm. I, I got very, you know, then, you know, you can call it luck, whatever. You know, <laughs> fair, mm-hmm. one lucky event, you get thousands of rejections. Right, I subscribe to the theory that you make your own luck. Like, you may, get a, you may get a little help, but you put yourself in there to get that luck. Yeah, so in New York, I went everywhere, man. Like, every place, every people place in New York, I've been there. And yeah. uh, I started working with the Ski Beats. And then through, you know, through meeting people, one day I met uh, Damon Dash. And, you know, he was looking for, you know, somebody who could, like, build up and run a studio for him. And at the same time, do beats. And I was like, dude, that's me, you know, like, you're looking for me, I've been looking for you, you know, and uh, from there, you know, things, things accelerated tremendously. Mm-hmm. So, long story short, myself, one of my buddies was like, hey, this bar's not around anymore. I was like, hey, there's this bar called 25 Watt. It's in, uh, it's in the capital of Virginia, Richmond. So, I was like, all right, I'll check it out, like, whatever. And, dude, I just, like, fell in love with it, man, because here's the, here's the thing. Here's the honest truth. Everyone at that bar was either drunk, high, or or on something. But no one, but there was no, but there was everyone was just standing there, zoned out, listening to beats. I'm like, this shit is addicting. Like there's no talking. Everyone has their everyone has their like whiskey and coke and staring at the DJ. I'm like, I can see how this shit's popular because you zone out. Like you get away from all your problems and you just hear these these beats. I'm like this shit's addicting. I better go. <laughs> I better. I better like catch myself before I start doing like you know. I think every beat maker out there, somebody who has a tremendous wish for escape. You know, mm-hmm. most of them are major homebodies. You know that that's a very uh, consistent point. You know, try to escape through your your own creation, and I think people vibe with that. Would you subscribe to that theory that there's there's a certain harmonic piece with with uh, electronic music? Yeah, no, I, I, I think that that's a big part of the success of it, you know, like, it's like almost like a little movie in some type of way. What was your, like, inspiration musically, like, when you first got into the scene? For beats, you know, it's all the classics. DJ Premier, Reza, Dr. Dre, Timbaland, Prince Paul, you know, all, all, all the legendary rap producers. Uh, that, that's always been the, the, the main thing for me. But then, you know, a certain connection to, to also other types of music, right? Minimal music, like Terry Riley, lots, mm. lots of soul, jazz, you know, uh, Curtis Mayfield, Donald Byrd. Also, I still I still like, you know, that heavy metal stuff. Uh, yeah. One of the biggest Metallica fans out there, Rob and Terra, you know, like all, all that are major bands that I still rock records, you know, on a very regular basis. Mm. And, I, and I get something out of it. I don't know what, but something, you know. I think... I think I think the construction of the tracks is very interesting to me. Right. It's a, it's kind of unconventional, not not exactly linear. You know, like there's something about it that's different from electronic music that I really like. So yeah, I grew up on like Metallica, man. Funny you mentioned that. Like the Black Album is one of my favorite albums of all time. 
I would pick one from different categories. I would say Donald Byrd, Terry Riley, Wu-Tang Clan. Can't forget the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> you know, like, that, that's what inspires me. That's what moves me. It's what makes me do music, you know? Yeah. But, but first off, I'm a very simple type of person. I don't go to clubs. Um, like that place you mentioned, that's not my type of vibe. You know, I'm a kids and I eat peanuts, you know? <laughs> but you're familiar with places like that, though, that have DJs. different varieties of EDM? I mean, it depends how you look at it, you know, like, first off, well, what's EDM really? Is it like hip-hop, electronic music? Me, I always say, all those questions for people who run music stores, record stores, record labels. Mm-hmm. I think when you do music, there is music uh, and there is crap, right? Like, like mm-hmm. just, me, that's always been my concern. I feel like if you really look at it, EDM is electronic dance music. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you take a good, you know, Dr. Dre track, it's made with electronic instruments, it's danceable, it's music. But people will say it's not EDM. So, first off, the, the whole shebang is kind of like, doesn't make much sense to me, I will be honest with you. Uh, and then I think that, I don't think you can classify really music by the way it's done. Right. So, is there a lot of, like, is there a huge com- uh, community with the modular synth? Like, you meet a lot of cool people in that uh, genre? I think that's that's one of the most interesting parts about it. Got very popular in the last few years. Uh, I'm one of the co-founders of the New York Modular Society. Uh, if people are interested, look us up. We have, you know, we're nice people. It's, it's good vibes. That's that's interesting. You know, like like I would say, it's the most open community I've ever met so far in general. Modular scene. You know. Mm-hmm. Explain the New York Modular Society. Explain the origins and how that started and. So, same thing, to make a, a long story short, uh, our, our men uh, saddled up the robots. We all have, like, cool names, you know? Uh, I didn't know him prior to that. He put a post on Reddit. He said, you know, I was thinking doing, like, like a modular club, whatever, whatever, on New York. You know, I was kind of shocked nothing really exists. There, there was a couple of stuff that was not really for me, you know? There, there was a couple of events, but you could not bring a drum machine. You could not do too many rules, you know? You yeah. Know? So I was like, this is not for me, you know. Uh, so I was like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm down. I'm very interested. You know, as long as there's no rules, you know. And mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, I feel the same. And then, you know, we recruited our, our third co-founder, Sonnet, you know, uh, Jason. And we, we had no clue what we were going to do, what we were doing, right? We started yeah. with the Discord server and trying to do shows, you know, uh, IRL, you know, before COVID, right? We started like like a year and a half, not even a year and a half, actually, since September 2019. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the idea is uh, to uh, you know to show and promote love and knowledge about synthesizers. You would go to these places and then basically be like networking, or you would like network with others. More like you know, build and they will come. And then we slowly we started streaming four shows a month, different type of shows, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a billion and they will come type of situation. You know, mm-hmm. a variety of I would say sixteen ish different performers per month. New people, recurring people. Mm-hmm. Modular society is just fun. 
love good music, variety, exploration, things, you know. How has COVID, you mentioned COVID and, you know, it's pandemic that, you know, is kind of, it's, well, it's really, really sad and, you know, it's impacted so many lives. How has it changed your career? I'm, I'm going to be honest, you know, as much of a tragedy it is, it's a very, you know, sad, you know, uh, sad times. It's, it's a dark period in our modern day history. But for me and for us, New Human Society, definitely a, a blessing in disguise. Meaning, you know, uh, me, I've always been a very, like, live, like, real life type of person, right? You know, if I'm interested by something, I'll go see it. If, mm-hmm. if I think you're cool, I'm going to go meet you. If I think you should is interesting i'll come to your show so at first we were all very puzzled uh, on the personal and you know the community level because we're building up live shows in new york and now what you know like that that thing was working out and and, uh, what we're supposed to do so we we gave twitch uh, a shot and that was Mm -hmm. amazing and we really liked it and we realized like not not only we can replace our monthly show but how about with weekly shows how about with different shows the main one Mm -hmm. One dedicated to experimental music, one dedicated to more like uh, synthesis techniques, one dedicated to more like beats. Uh, you know, it expanded, it exploded, and then, you know, but something that started as very local became like global. Mm-hmm. Members from all over the world, people from all over the world watching the shows, you know, whether live or, or video on demand. You know, right now we have like a, a thousand plus subscribers on Twitch. Nice. It's, you know, there is really nothing we can complain of. But I mean, as everybody else, you know, we suffer all on different levels of COVID, the quarantine, but on music, you know, whatever activity we do, development, mm-hmm. artistic related, amazing. What do you see the future of, like, the industry? You just, it, you think it's plateauing or do you think it's it's just the beginning? You think the popularity is just going to go up, up, and up? You mean modular synthesis? Yeah, it's going to be super popular. There is lots of factors we, we don't know about, like, First off, you have to consider that modular synthesizers have been around since the 60s, right? The OG ones. <laughs> Back when modular synthesizer was the price of a car. That, that's the bottom line, right? And that's been like that for decades, right? Then in the 90s, came up with a different format. Smaller, cheaper, you know, more, mm-hmm. more straight to the point, more affordable. That created kind of a, a second, you know, revolution, you know? Mm-hmm. Synthesizer, modular synthesizer was not the price of a car. But we're still not exactly affordable, you know, like... Right. It would not do much for the money you would invest in. You wouldn't invest a lot to get the same results you would get with a synthesizer, which is already something that's not cheap. <laughs> yeah. And on the other side, the economy is in shambles, right? Mm-hmm. So who knows? You know, I, I hope I hope the best for, the, for, for everybody. So, you know, if maybe the global economy would turn around, you know, and make more money, have more money to spend, more time on their own. So so it's kind of hard to tell. I think there is room definitely for growth. I think, I think this is just the beginning of, you know, a new chapter of something that's going to be gigantic. Mm-hmm. I think the hope is also that uh, it, it's rich mainstream status, I think to me, you know, but there is still other levels of it, you know, like like the price point. So once that barrier is down, interesting things always happen. So how'd you get the how'd you get the name Ben the Glorious Bastard? Tell me the backstory on that. So you know when that movie came out, Glorious Bastards, you know that's when it happened. I was like, oh, this is a cool name. First off, you know you have to have a name that people will remember, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I always believe, you know, like like so many people would tell me their name, and I would get back home and I was like, what was that guy's name? That's what got me interested in you. I'll be on. I'll be straight up. <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> 
Pardon the language, but I gotta talk to this fucking guy. Like, <laughs> that's what it is. That, that's the that's the whole point. I feel like more and more in a, in a very polite society. I think it's it's a big social construct, you know. So you ever heard of the Ultra Festival in Miami? The name rings a bell. That's what kind of got me like first hearing of EDM was that. And then I was, and then, but I, like I said, to start the show, like I was rock and then I started like listening to this stuff and I'm like, a good beat can replace good lyrics, in my opinion. Like if yeah. there's a, if there's a good beat that you can vibe to, that three minutes goes quick. You know, something that I, I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, is uh, our music ages, right? That always blew my mind. Like how you think a song is a banger and then five <laughs> years later you're like, that bar got old, and then 10 years later, you're like, that bar got real old, and 20 years later, you're like, that song is dead, like, like you know, like, like you can't play that. Yeah, tell me what you got going on in the future, post, I mean, hopefully this COVID starts, you know, um, going away, cross fingers next year, so what? what's the plan going forward? So, you know, I'll, I, there is always something going on, so right now, I have that show on the New Museum Saturday that curates both across the eight dimension. This is a, a major creative outlet for me, and uh, every show we have also different performers, amazing people that I, I highly recommend you look them up. Jeeps, Scarecrow, New New A, uh, Rookworm, uh, you know, lo- lo- lots, lots of tremendous artists that, that deserve way more spotlight. Yeah. It's a big, big, big thing for me, lots of time, lots of energy for it. On yeah. the other end, more personal, I'm working on the record right now. It makes years I, I didn't do a, a solo record. Uh, it's based out of you know maybe like 20 tracks out of the you know recent live performances I've done. Right, mm-hmm. so I'm going through all those tracks, picking the best ones, making them a little tighter, and re-recording them, you know, uh, studio style. Right, and also shortening it. Yeah. So. What do you got? Ballroom break break beats? Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's gonna be the name of the record. Actually, it's a you know break, the breakbeat culture is really where I come from. That, that that's me. That's my thing. That's the, I think that's one of the greatest things in music. It's like real stuff and no samples. You know, all all the modular played keys. Right, right. I listened to five. Right, you just you just released five. Yeah. So actually, one, two, three, four was like a live show I did in New York. Like like mm-hmm. you know like. A record played live right mm-hmm. and then i was like well i started series right ballroom break it's five but five is an infinite amount of episodes right i put videos on youtube i think today i uploaded part 13 mm-hmm. you know each part is like i don't know five six minutes or something <laughs> like you know i think also it's you you can't think this the whole way right you know albums and all that is kind of a concept that that kind of you know not disappear, but evolve. You know, I would say some people only do singles. Some people try to stick with albums. Right. I like series. You know, it's a series. You know, it's like like a, like an abstract album with no real start or end point. Right. And right. So it's twenty years from now, I'm still gonna be doing Ballroom Breakfast Five. <laughs> so basically, it's like a creative EP. It's kind of like an you know. Yeah, like the record is gonna be a proper record. You know, like mm-hmm. like LP, hour long record. You know, like back then. But that's, you know, like, excerpts, like, like, that's the best part of the live series remade in the studio. So it loses some of the craziness, but it's more sharp, you know, the sound's a little more clear. Uh, but there's no better or worse. And I think, I think it sounds cool, you know, Bowman Bird Mix 5, I, I, you know, like, like Mozart and all those guys that, like, 
So what kind of venues, I know before COVID, like what kind of venues would you be at? Clubs? Bars? What? So more of like, like in between a little bit. Like we played Wonderville, Brooklyn, much more, Hollow for, for people in New York, locals who know about those places. <laughs> it's like an in between, you know, like music venues. You know, in New York we have the chance to have, to have semi-proper music venues. Mm-hmm. Like like places, you know, that, 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 that still try to promote proper good music, you know, and they make cash out of it. Of course. But like, I think there's some, some type of tradition, you know, in New York about, you know, certain types of music, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, that worked out for us. All right, man. Well, what's your social media? So on Instagram, I'm uh, Glorious Frenchie. Uh, otherwise, you type in Google, whatever your search engine is. Ben the Glorious Bastard, you're gonna find me out on Spotify, SoundCloud, I have a YouTube channel. My YouTube channel is pretty on point. I worked hard on it in the past few weeks. Uh, you know, and then New York Modular Society, whatever you look for, you, uh, you're gonna find me somehow. Yeah, Ben the Glorious Bastard, just Google it and then pick whatever you like. You're an Apple Music type of guy, I'm there. You're a SoundCloud type of guy, I'm there. Alright, bro, well, thanks for coming on this evening. Yo, thanks so much. Okay, there you go. That was my interview with Ben the Glorious Bastard. I want to thank him again for coming on the podcast today. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Sensibly Cynical. If you could please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. It would be highly, highly appreciated. Also, check us out on Twitter at Cynical Sensibly, Instagram Sensibly Cynical Pod, and you can check out our Facebook group. That's it. Please stay safe, mask up, and take care.